Hello and welcome to the New Nutrition Business Podcast. My name is Marta Matviev. Today, I'll take a look at low-carb diets and how they're being used to treat type 2 diabetes and pre-diabetes. I recently spoke to a UK general practitioner who does exactly that. Dr. David Unwin works in a surgery in the north of England, and he started advising his patients to go low-carb in around 2013. He's treated over 350 people so far, and 50% of his type 2 diabetes patients achieved drug-free remission. So thanks to this, his surgery saves nearly £60,000 a year on their drug bill. That's about $83,000 or €70,000. Dr. Unwin published various peer-reviewed papers about his results, and outside the academic circles, he's written articles about low-carbing for a major UK newspaper called the Daily Mail. He's also very active on Twitter, where he gives updates about his cohort's progress and tweets about other benefits of reducing carbohydrate intake. I started the interview with Dr. Anwin by asking him to give us an overview of the results from his surgery so far. 197 patients with type 2 diabetes have adopted the low-carb approach. Of those, 97 are in drug-free type 2 diabetes remission. Speaking more broadly, the practice is also using a low-carb approach for other conditions like obesity and high blood pressure. We've got 364 people who have tried the low-carb approach for an average of approximately three years. Those people, on average, have lost 10.5 kilos in weight. The other thing is the average improvement in blood pressure is 10.5 millimeters of mercury systolic and six millimeters of mercury diastolic. I think it's about 30% of all the patients on blood pressure medication are having it stopped. The blood pressure improvements are so significant that about a third of everybody on medication for blood pressure is giving it up. In terms of diabetes, we're now saving £58,000 per year on the drug budget for diabetes alone. So one practice is saving £58,000 on drugs for diabetes, which is surprising. If every GP prescribed the same as Norwood Avenue, the NHS would save £270 million per year. Uh, that's the remission rate. So at the moment, approximately 50% of all the people with type 2 diabetes who try a low-carb approach achieve drug-free remission. And that is astonishing if you think that for the first 25 years of my life as a doctor, I never saw drug-free diabetes remission, not once in 25 years, not a single time ever, ever did I stop drugs for diabetes. I always added drugs so that previously my, my model of type 2 diabetes was that it was a chronic deteriorating condition. And that meant that logically I, ex I expected to add more medication over times and I expected my patient's health to deteriorate. So contrast that now where I see type 2 diabetes as potentially reversible. It's, it's like night and day. So it's, it's changed the entire practice in a way that I could never never have expected. Now the usual type 2 diabetes treatment and the one that is most widely used by medical practitioners involves drugs. 
And because drugs are the norm, it seems unorthodox to adopt an approach that relies only on dietary change. So what I wanted to know was how other GPs reacted when they first heard about Dr. Anwin's new method. In the beginning, in 2013, when I started, they were skeptical and some of them slightly hostile because it went against what they understood because they the model they had was to use medication but now i find hundreds of gps are doing this and i can give you an example i'm um, royal college of general practitioners clinical expert in diabetes and i published an e-learning module which is a 30-minute teaching thing for gps and it's the most successful e-module that the college has ever published. And it's been uh, downloaded, I think, 2,700 times. And that gives you an idea of the number of GPs who are interested in this. I'm getting emails on a daily basis from GPs asking me how you do it. There's massive interest. So we, we've gone all the way from um, understandable skepticism. They're now, most of them have met patients who have changed their diabetes for the better so that they're becoming intrigued and wanting to uh, replicate this. We've all heard about diabetes and most people understand that sugar has something to do with it. But why are carbs in general an issue and why does cutting carbs help? The worry of type 2 diabetes is that over time, high blood sugar damages your arteries. That's the, you know, that is the fundamental problem of having type 2 diabetes, that the, oh, as a function of time, a high blood sugar damages your arteries and it damages the large arteries and makes you vulnerable to strokes and heart attacks. It damages the tiny blood vessels and leaves you vulnerable to eye blindness and kidney disease. So it's pretty obvious that if the worst side of diabetes is that high blood sugar damages your arteries, if you had diabetes, you'd be keen to avoid high blood sugar. And, and what predicts blood sugar um, is very largely what you eat. It's really pretty fundamental that we should be giving advice to people that helps them avoid high blood sugar. That's so simple, so fundamental. And yet I wasn't doing it. I was doing medication. And so the first priority in, in my clinical practice is that people cut out table sugar altogether not moderated, cut it out altogether. Because I would always say to somebody, do you want to be slightly poisoned, moderately poisoned, or not poisoned at all? Because you see, if you have type 2 diabetes, you can't deal with sugar. Your insulin, the hormone that pushes sugar out of the bloodstream into the center of cells where it's needed, in type 2 diabetes, insulin isn't working properly. You become insulin resistant. And so it's hard for your body to deal with sugar. And that is why it's obvious you should avoid sugar. I think what, what the public don't always understand is how uh, not only sugary foods, but the starch, the starch molecule itself is glucose molecules holding hands. And digestion comes along and breaks starch back down into surprising amounts of sugar. And that people are amazed when they hear that a small bowl of boiled rice is equivalent to 10 teaspoons of sugar. 
But you see, starch is nature's way of storing sugar. So it's almost concentrated sugar. And um, when you understand that, you can see it makes sense to eat things that don't put up your blood sugar. So all above ground vegetables are healthy. So I say, turn the the white stuff on your plate green. So instead of having rice, instead of having bread or potatoes, have lots of green veg. And then things like meat, chicken, fish, eggs, cheese, full fat dairy, hardly put up your blood sugar at all. And so it makes sense. This is the basis of the low carb diet, uh, where you're choosing to eat things that don't put up blood sugar. To help patients understand the impact that food has on their blood glucose, Dr. Anwen created a set of infographics. These are visuals that depict the glycemic loads of common foods. And he explained to us how the infographics came about and what exactly they show. Carbohydrates vary in how sugary they are. So the, the carbohydrate in cornflakes is far more sugary than the carbohydrate that is in brown bread. So carbohydrates vary in how sugary they are. And that's the basis of the glycemic index. And the glycemic index rates all carbohydrate foods against pure glucose, which is 100. The next thing is, though, carbohydrates vary in how sugary they are. But foods vary in the density of that carbohydrate. So that watermelon, uh, although the carbohydrate in watermelon is very sugary, the density of carbohydrate in watermelon is very low because it's mainly water. So the next thing is you have to look at not the glycemic index, but the glycemic load of a specific portion of food. So the glycemic load is an estimate of how a portion of food may affect your blood glucose. This is kind of the advice we're giving to type, people with type 2 diabetes. The problem with the glycemic load is the answer is given in terms of the glycemic load. So that's the grams of glucose in a portion of food. The problem I had was that my patients north of Liverpool don't understand grams and they don't understand glucose because they're not, they're not familiar with glucose. And that is why I got together with an expert on the glycemic index and the glycemic load, Dr. Jeffrey Leavesey, and we redid the mathematics for 800 foods and we reinterpreted the glycemic load of different foods in a way my patients would understand, which is teaspoons of sugar. And that is how I can say uh, that 150 grams of boiled basmati rice may be expected to affect your blood glucose to a similar extent as 10 teaspoons of sugar. Or that a bowl of boiled potato can be expected to affect your blood glucose to a similar extent as 9 teaspoons of sugar. And that's how the infographics were born, with me trying, wanting to find a clear way to help my patients understand the consequences of dietary choices. And those infographics have gone absolutely wild on the internet. And as I say, they've now been translated into 14 languages and they've been downloaded millions of times all the way around the world. And now they're hosted on a charity website, the Public Health Collaboration website, and free for anybody.
Dr. Unwin first learned about the benefits of low-carbing from a patient of his. And in fact, many diabetes sufferers had been discussing a low-carb diet as a way to manage their illness long before their doctors mentioned it. This is a grassroots revolution, an internet, social media, grassroots revolution. And I, I learned from a patient. That patient, that single patient, was one of 40,000 people on the low-carb forum. There are now hundreds of thousands of people. And um, social media is driving this because people are learning about what works. And then the healthcare professionals are catching up afterwards. Uh, it was only th this patient was cross with me because she felt I was out of touch. She even asked me if I was qualified because she said, you know, didn't you know that starch is sugar? She said, I, you know, I'm really even not, I'm not just wondering about whether you're medically qualified. I'm wondering whether you even have uh, GCSEs in biology because a doctor, you know, I shouldn't have to tell a doctor that starch is sugar. And I'd been medicating that person for over 10 years, giving her a drug that gave her a side effect when all she needed to do was stop eating breakfast cereal and bread. And I never once, it is true, I had never once mentioned to her uh, that I, I had mentioned sugar, but I had never mentioned starchy carbs as a potent source of a raised blood sugar. And, and um, I immediately knew she was right and I was wrong and that I must learn something and fast because she was justified in being angry. Um, and I think a lot of, there are a lot of people on social media who are confused by the advice they've been given about diet. So the history of this is that I went on the low carb diet with 18 people, 18 of my patients. So at the beginning, I, I learned with my patients and there were 18 of us and we learned together. So we met every Monday night and taught each other how to go low carb. It was um, a book by Dr. John Briffer called Beat the Diet Trap and also the low carb forum on diabetes.co.uk. And there were 40,000 people on that forum. So I just got 18 patients together. And as an experiment, I said, shall we do this together? And my wife and I and the nurse, well, in fact, all of us worked for free on a Monday night. We just gave up our Monday evenings, met together with the patients and experimented. And we, we thought, well, one of the patients said, you have to see this as a lifestyle, not a diet. So I've been now keto for probably nine years. But the point is I love food and, and I find you don't have to compromise. I love the foods I have and they happen to be low carb. Dr. Anwin has taken the discussion about low carb to a wider public. It's not just sufferers of type 2 diabetes or health experts that talk about it. Even outside the UK and the English speaking world, people are interested. Drug-free type 2 diabetes remission has captured the imagination of the public. So if you, if you take the communist, the most popular paper in the UK is the Daily Mail. Well, I've written 30 articles for the Daily Mail. Which, so you're getting a GP, Mr. Nobody from nowhere, of no pedigree, and the Daily Mail have had 30 or 40 articles from me now because the public want to know. The public are, are wanting to help themselves. They don't want to be ill and they don't want to be on lifelong medication. There's interest in Russia 
There is a lot of interest in uh, the Czech Republic. There are Hungarian doctors doing it. A lot of German doctors doing it. Um, there are doctors in Brazil. So it's pretty well doctors all over the world. There's a lot in Australia. It's very big in India. Uh, there's a, there's a marvellous website called D-Life India. So it's, it's leaking out, but it depends in each country on the strength of social media. There are some very successful uh, commercializations of it. Two big ones. Verta. Verta Health in America are massive and worth a billion or something. And then another very successful organization. Have you come across Diet Doctor? Andreas, he's a, he's a friend of mine. He's a Swedish doctor. He's not a GP anymore because he's got a huge, massive international website. It's, it's gradually spreading all over the world. It's now in the Canadian guidelines. It's the Scottish guidelines, the American guidelines, low carb. The internet was integral to the rise of low carb. Patients read online articles, studies, they exchanged advice about the right foods on forums and on social media. And Dr. Anwin sees this largely as a positive thing. The internet is democratizing medicine. I think that's what all of us have to be aware, that there's a great deal of useful information for people with eyes to see it and, and the intelligence and the energy to look it up. And that increasingly that's the discerning general public are beginning to show an interest and learn about nutrition. The, the crisis of obesity hitting every single country all over the world, it is, and, and as governments fail to do anything about it, it's drawing attention. And then when you learn with COVID that the predictors of hospitalization for COVID and the predictors for death were things like type 2 diabetes and obesity. So that's given extra impetus to people showing an interest in how to become more resilient and healthier. I noticed that uh, in March, Boris Johnson was on Twitter telling the world that he'd cut the carbs. When he, I think the other point is that Cutting the carbs has got generally into the, the general public now understand keto and cutting carbs, particularly young, most young people know what, why you would do that. And if you want to lose your belly, I think another thing that shocked me, I had to write for the Daily Mail about eggs because, of course, on low carb, I'm advocating eat, eat eggs. And um, it wasn't until I, I came to look seriously at cholesterol, there is no link between dietary cholesterol and blood cholesterol. It doesn't matter how many eggs or prawns you eat. Actually, that has been known for years and years. But, and gradually, I think that the public are beginning to realize that. And they think, well, I might as well have eggs. Eggs are fine, or I can have butter. Another technological development that helped people better understand what is healthy are continuous blood glucose monitoring devices. Now, these are small gadgets that show people in real time the impact of food on their blood glucose levels. So, using a CGM, a person can learn what foods to avoid. Dr. Anwen is familiar with CGMs and uses one himself. If people with diabetes can now just buy a device that gives a continuous readout of their blood sugar, they're learning firsthand what causes blood sugar to go up. If as a doctor, I tell patients potatoes and cornflakes and uh, brown bread are fine, my patients know me to be a fraud. 
because the blood sugar, they've got the monitor. You see, the world is changing. I think people are interested. It's They're interested in their own body and they're interested in knowing what happens when you eat a particular thing. And, and again, Twitter is full of people who've say I'm going to eat a banana and look what happens to my and I think the next Apple watch probably will be monitoring blood sugar. The growing awareness about low carb could have a profound impact on the food industry. Dr. Anwin compared the current debates around sugar to what happened with cigarettes a few decades ago. So you're probably familiar that actually doctors knew that cigarettes killed people and it took about 40 years for that to actually get through. But now the deaths from cigarettes are going down and down because we have, we're largely sorting that. And I think there are similar problems with the food supply um, in terms of health as there were with cigarettes. And if you think of people snacking, they're having more and more sugar, treats and all of those things. And I have seen an eightfold increase in the number of people with diabetes because I've looked after the same community of people since 1986. And I am actually dealing on a daily basis with an eightfold, not a doubling, not a trebling, eight times more people who are ill with diabetes. That has to be some sort of an emergency. I think if, if you have type two diabetes and if you're morbidly obese, it doesn't matter how many drugs I give you, you're not enjoying good health. And I'm, I'm really interested in, instead of accepting the pandemic of diabetes, can we roll it back? That's all for this episode of our podcast. Thank you very much for listening. And I hope you join us again.